Pendant Productions proudly presents King John, written by William Shakespeare. Act 4 Keep me these irons hot, and look thou stand within the arras. When I strike my foot upon the bosom of the ground, rush forth, and bind the boy which you shall find with me fast to the chair. Be heedful. Hence and watch. I hope your warrant will bear out the deed. Uncleanly scruples. Fear not you. Look to it. And lad, come forth. I have to say with you. Good morrow, Hubert. Good morrow, little prince. As little prince, having so great a title to be more prince as may be. You are sad. Indeed. I have been merrier. Mercy on me! Methinks nobody should be sad but I. Yet I remember, when I was in France, young gentlemen would be as sad as a knight only for wantonness. By my Christendom. So I were out of prison and kept sheep. I should be merry as the day is long. And so I would be here. But that I doubt my uncle practices more harm to me. He is afraid of me, and I of him. Is it my fault that I was Geoffrey's son? No, indeed, it's not. And I would to heaven I were your son, so you would love me, Hubert. If I talk to him with his innocent prate, he will awake my mercy which lies dead. Therefore, I will be sudden and dispatch. Are you sick, Hubert? You look pale today. In sooth, I would you were a little sick, that I might sit all night and watch with you. I warrant I love you more than you do me. His words to take possession of my bosom. Read here, young Arthur. How now, foolish room, turning this piteous torture out of door. I must be brief, lest resolution drop out of mine eyes in tender womanish tears. Can you not read it? Is it not fair writ? Too fairly, Hubert, for so foul effect. Must you? with hot irons burn out both mine eyes. Young boy, I must. And will you? And I will. Have you the heart? When your head did but ache, I knit my handkerchief about your brows. The best I had. A princess wrought at me. And I did never ask it you again. And with my hand at midnight held your head. And like the watchful minutes to the hour, still and anon, cheered up the heavy time, saying, What lack you, and where lies your grief, or what good love may I perform for you? Many a poor man's son will have lined still, and ne'er have spoke a loving word to you. But you, at your sick service, had a prince. Nay, you may think my love was crafty love, and call it cunning. Do, and if you will, if heaven be pleased that you must use me ill, why then you must. You put out mine eyes. These eyes that never did nor never shall so much as frown on you. I have sworn to do it. And with hot irons must I burn them out. Nah, none but in this iron age would do it. The iron of itself, though heat red hot approaching near these eyes, would drink my tears and quench his fiery indignation, even in the matter of mine innocence. Nay, after that, consume away in rust, but for containing fire to harm mine eye. Are you more stubborn hard than hammered iron? And if an angel should have come to me and told me Hubert should put out mine eyes, I would
would not have believed him. No tongue but Hubert's. Come forth. Do as I bid you do. Oh, save me, Hubert, save me. My eyes are out even with the fierce looks of these bloody men. Give me the iron, I say, and bind him here. Alas, why need you be so boisterous rough? I will not struggle. I will stand stone still. For heaven's sake, Hubert, let me not be bound. Nay, hear me, Hubert. Drive these men away, and I will sit as quiet as a lamb. I will not stir, nor wince, nor speak a word, nor look upon the iron angrily. Thrust but these men away, and I'll forgive you. Whatever torment you do put me to. Go. Stand with him. Let me alone with him. I am best pleased to be from such a deed. Alas, I then have chid away my friend. He hath a stern look, but a gentle heart. Let him come back, that his compassion may give life to yours. Come, boy. Prepare yourself. Is there no remedy? None but to lose your eyes. Oh, heaven. That there were but a moat in yours. A grain, a dust, a gnat, a wandering hair. Any annoyance in that precious sense. Then feeling what small things are boisterous there. Your violent tent must needs seem horrible. Is this your promise? Go to. Hold your tongue. Hubert, the utterance of a brace of tongues must needs want pleading for a pair of eyes. Let me not hold my tongue. Let me not, Hubert. Or Hubert, if you will, cut up my tongue so I may keep mine eyes. Oh, spare mine eyes, though to no use but still to look on you. Lo, by my truth, the instrument is cold and would not harm me. I can heed it, boy. No, in good sooth, the fire is dead with grief being created for comfort, to be used in undeserved extremes. See else yourself. There's no malice in this burning coal. The breath of heaven has blown his spirit out and strewn repentant ashes on his head. But with my breath, I can revive it, boy. And if you do, you will but make it blush and glow with shame of your proceedings, Hubert. Nay. It perchance will sparkle in your eyes, and like a dog that is compelled to fight, snatch at his master that doth tar him on. All things that you should use to do me wrong deny their office. Only you do lack that mercy which fierce fire and iron extends, creatures of note for mercy lacking uses. Well, see to live. It will not touch thine eye, nor all the treasure that thine uncle owes. Yet am I sworn. And I did purpose, boy, with the same very iron to burn them out. Oh, now you look like Hubert. All this while you were disguised. Peace. No more. Adieu. Your uncle must not know, but you are dead. I'll fill these dogged spies with false reports. And pretty child, sleep doubtless and secure that Hubert, for the wealth of all the world, will not offend thee. Oh, heaven. Thank you, Hubert. Silence. No more. Go closely in with me. Much danger do I undergo for thee.
here once again we sit, once again crowned and looked upon, I hope, with cheerful eyes. This once again, but that your highness pleased was once superfluous. You were crowned before, and that high royalty was ne'er plucked off. The faiths of men ne'er stained with revolt. Fresh expectation troubled not the land with any longed-for change or better state. Therefore, to be possessed with double pomp, to guard a title that was rich before, to gild refined gold, to paint the lily, to throw a perfume on the violet, to smooth the ice, or add another hue unto the rainbow, or with tapered light to seek the beauteous eye of heaven to garnish, is wasteful and ridiculous excess. But that your royal pleasure must be done, this act is, is as an ancient tale new told, and in the last repeating, troublesome, being urged at a time unseasonable. In this the antique and well-noted face of plain old form is much disfigured, and like a shifted wind unto a sail it makes the course of thoughts to fetch about, startles and frights consideration, makes sound opinion sick and truth suspected for putting on so new a fashioned robe. When workmen strive to do better than well, they do confound their skill in covetousness, and oftentimes Excusing of a fault doth make the fault the worse by the excuse. As patches set upon a little breach discredit more in hiding of the fault than did the fault before it was so patched. To this effect, before you were new crowned, we breathed our counsel, but it pleased your highness to overbear it, and we are all well pleased, since all and every part of what we would doth make us stand at what your highness will. Some reasons of this double coronation I have possessed you with, and think them strong. And more, more strong than lesser is my fear I shall endue you with. Meantime, but ask what you would have reformed that is not well, and well shall you perceive how willingly I will both hear and grant you your requests. Then I, as one that am the tongue of these, to sound the purpose of all their hearts, both for myself and them, but chief of all your safety for the which myself and them bend their best studies. Heartily request the enfranchisement of Arthur, whose restraint both moved the murmuring lips of discontent to break into this dangerous argument. If what in rest you have and right you hold, why then your fears, which, as they say, attend the steps of wrong, should move you to mew up your tender kinsman? and to choke his days with barbarous ignorance and deny his youth the rich advantage of good exercise. That the times enemies may not have this to grace occasions, let it be our suit that you have bid us ask his liberty, for which our goods we do no further ask than whereupon your wheel, on you depending, counts at your wheel he has his liberty. Hubert, what news with you? Let it be so. I do commit his youth to your direction. This is the man should do the bloody deed. He showed his warrant to a friend of mine. The image of a wicked, heinous fault lives in his eye. That close aspect of his does show the mood of a much troubled breast. And I do fearfully believe tis done what we so feared he had a charge to do. 
The color of the king doth come and go between his purpose and his conscience, like heralds twixt two dreadful battles set. His passion is so ripe it needs must break. When it breaks, I fear. Fear will issue thence the foul corruption, the sweet child's death. We cannot hold mortality's strong hand. Good lords, although my will to give his living, the suit which you demand is gone and dead. He tells us Arthur is deceased tonight. Indeed, we feared his sickness was past cure. Indeed, we heard how near his death he was, before the child himself felt he was sick. This must be answered, either here or hence. Why do you bend such solemn brows on me? Think you I bear the shares of destiny? Have I commandment on the pulse of life? It is apparent foul play, and tis shame that greatness should so grossly offer it. So thrive it in your game, and so farewell. Stay yet, Lady Salisbury. I'll go with thee, and find the inheritance of this poor child, this little kingdom of forced grave. That blood which owed the breadth of all this isle, three foot of it doth hold. Bad world the while. Oh, this must not be thus born. This will break out to all our sorrows, and ere long, I doubt. They burn in indignation. I repent, there is no sure foundation set on blood, no certain life achieved by others' death. A fearful eye thou hast. Where is that blood that I have seen inhabit those cheeks? So foul a sky clears not without a storm. Pour down thy weather. How goes all in France? From France to England, never such a power for any foreign preparation was levied in the body of a land. The copy of your speed is learned by them, for when you should be told they do prepare, the tidings come that they are all arrived. Oh, where hath our intelligence been drunk? Where hath it slept? Where is my mother's care that such an army could be drawn in France and she not hear of it? My liege, her ear is stopped with dust. The first of April died your noble mother, and as I hear, my lord, the Lady Constance in a frenzy died three days before. But this from rumor's tongue I idly heard, if true or false, I know not. Withhold thy speed, dreadful occasion. Oh, make a league with me till I have pleased my discontented peers. What? Muffer dead? How quietly then walks my estate in France? Under whose conduct came those powers of France that thou for truth givest out are landed here? Under the Dauphin. Thou hast made me giddy with these ill tidings. Now what says the world to your proceedings? Do not seek to stuff my head with more ill news, for it is full. But if you be afeard to hear the worst, then let the worst unheard fall on your bead. Bear with me, cousin, for I was amazed under the tide. But now I breathe again aloft the flood, and can give audience to any tongue, speak of it, what it will. How I have sped among the clergymen, the sums I have collected shall express. But as I travelled hither through the land, I find the people strangely fantasied, possessed with rumours, full of idle dreams, not knowing what they fear, but full of fear. And here a prophet, that I brought with me from forth the streets of Pomfret, whom I found with many hundreds treading on his heels. 
to whom he sung in rude, harsh-sounding rhymes that ere the next ascension day at noon, your highness should deliver up your crown. Thou idle trimmer, wherefore didst thou so? Foreknowing that the truth will fall out so. Hubert, away with him. Imprison him. And on that day at noon, whereon he says I shall yield up my crown, let him be hanged. Deliver him to safety. Return, for I must use thee. Oh, my gentle cousin, hearst thou the news abroad who are arrived? The French, my lord. Men's mouths are full of it. Besides, I met Lord Bigot and Lady Salisbury with eyes as red as new and kindled fire, and others more, going to seek the grave of Arthur, who they say is killed tonight on your suggestion. Gentle kinsman, go, and thrust thyself into their companies. I have a way to win their loves again. Bring them before me. I will seek them out. Nay, but make haste! The better foot before. Oh, let me have no subject enemies when adverse foreigners affright my towns with dreadful pomp of stout invasion. Be Mercury, set feathers for thy heels, and fly like thought from them to me again. The spirit of the time shall teach me speed. Spoke like a spiteful noble gentleman. Go after him, for he perhaps shall need some messenger betwixt me and the peers, and be thou he. With all my heart, my liege. My mother, dead. My lord, they say five moons were seen tonight, four fixed, and the fifth did whirl about the other four in wondrous motion. Five moons? Old men and beldams in the street do prophesy upon it dangerously. Young Arthur's death is common in their mouths, and when they talk of him, they shake their heads and whisper one another in the ear. And he that speaks doth gripe the hearer's wrist, whilst he that hears makes fearful actions with wrinkled brows, with nods, with rolling eyes. I saw a smith stand with his hammer thus, the whilst his iron did on the anvil cool, with open mouth swallowing a tailor's news, who, with his shears and measure in his hand, standing on slippers which his nimble haste had falsely thrust upon contrary feet, told of a many thousand warlike French that were embattled and ranked in Kent. Another lean, unwashed artificer cuts off his tail and talks of Arthur's death. Why seekst thou to possess me with these fears? Why urgest thou so oft young Arthur's death? Thy hand hath murdered him. I had a mighty cause to wish him dead, but thou hadst none to kill him. No had, my lord? Why, did you not provoke me? It is the curse of kings to be attended by slaves that take the humors for a warrant to break within the bloody house of life, and are the winking of authority to understand the law, to know the meaning of dangerous majesty. But perhaps it frowns more upon humor than advised respect. Here is your hand and seal for what I did. Oh, and the last account twixt heaven and earth is to be made, then shall this hand and seal witness against us to damnation. How oft the sight of means to do ill deeds make ill deeds done. Hadst not thou been by, a fellow by the hand of nature marked, quoted and signed to do a deed of shame, this murder had not come into my mind. But taking note of thy abhorred aspect, finding thee fit for bloody villainy, apt, liable to be employed in danger, I faintly broke with thee of Arthur's death. And thou, to be endeared to a king, made it no conscience to destroy a prince. My lord... Hadst thou but shook thy head, or made a pause when I spake darkly what I purposed, or turned an eye of doubt upon my face, as bid me tell my tale in express words, 
deep shame had struck me dumb, made me break off, and those thy fears might have wrought fears in me. But thou didst understand me by my signs, and didst in signs again parley with sin. Yea, without stop didst let thy heart consent, and consequently thy rude hand to act the deed, which both our tongues held vile to name. Out of my sight, and never see me more! My nobles leave me, and my state is braved even at my gates with ranks of foreign powers. Nay, in the body of this fleshly land, this kingdom, this confine of blood and breath, hostility and civil tumult reigns between my conscience and my cousin's death. Arm you against your other enemies. I'll make a peace between your soul and you. Young Arthur is alive. This hand of mine is yet a maiden and an innocent hand, not painted with the crimson spots of blood. Within this bosom never entered yet the dreadful motion of a murderous thought, and you have slandered nature in my form, which, howsoever rude exteriorly, is yet the cover of a fairer mind than to be butcher of an innocent child. Doth to live! Oh, haste me to the beers! Throw this report on their incensed rage, and make them tame to their obedience. Forgive the comment that my passion made upon my feature, for my rage was blind, and foul imaginary eyes of blood presented thee more hideous than thou art. Answer not, but to my closet bring the angry lords with all expedient haste. I, I conjure thee, but slowly, run more fast. High, and yet I will leap down. Good ground, be pitiful and hurt me not. There's few or none do know me. If they did, this shipboy semblance hath disguised me quite. I am afraid, and yet I'll venture it. If I get down and do not break my limbs, I'll find a thousand shifts to get away. As good to die and go as die and stay. Spirit is in these stones. Heaven, take my soul, and England, keep my bones. Nobles, I will meet him at St. Edmundsbury. It is our safety, and we must embrace this gentle offer of the perilous time. Who brought that letter from the Cardinal? The Count Maloon. A noble lord of France, whose private with me of the dolphin's love is much more general than these lines import. Tomorrow morning, let us meet him then. Or rather then set forward, for twill be two long days' journey, lords, or ere we meet. Once more today, well met, distempered nobles. The king, by me, requests your presence straight. The king hath dispossessed himself of us. We will not line his thin, bestained cloak with our pure honors nor attend the foot that leaves the print of blood where'er it walks. Return and tell him so. We know the worst. Whatever you think, good words, I think, were best. Our griefs and not our manners reason now. But there is little reason in your grief. Therefore, to a reason, you had manners now. Sir, sir, impatience hath his privilege. 
tis true, to hurt his master, no man else. This is the prison. What is he lies here? Oh, death, made proud with pure and princely beauty. Oh, the earth had not a hole to hide this deed. Murder, as hating what himself hath done, doth lay it open to urge on revenge. Or oh, when he doomed this beauty to a grave, found it too precious princely for a grave. Sir Richard, what think you? Have you beheld, or have you read, or heard, or could you think, or do you almost think, although you see that you do see? Could thought without this object form such another? This is the very top, the height, the crest, the, or crest into the crest of murder's arms. This is the bloodiest shame, the wildest savagery, the vilest stroke that ever wall-eyed wrath or staring rage presented to the tears of soft remorse. All murders past do stand excused in this, and this so soul and so unmatchable shall give a holiness, a purity to the yet unbegotten sin of times, and prove a deadly bloodshed but a jest, exampled by this heinous spectacle. It is a damned and a bloody work, the graceless action of a heavy hand, if that it be the work of any hand. If that it be the work of any hand. We had a kind of light that would ensue. It is the shameful work of Hubert's hand. The practice and the purpose of the king. From whose obedience I forbid my soul. Kneeling before this ruin of sweet life. And breathing to his breathless excellence the incense of a vow. A holy vow. Never to taste the pleasures of the world, never to be infected with delight, nor conversant with ease and idleness till I have set a glory to this hand by giving it the worship of revenge. Our, Our souls, souls religiously confirm thy words. Nobles, I am hot with haste in seeking you. Arthur doth live. The king hath sent for you. Oh, he is old and blushes not at death. Avaunt, thou hateful villain, get thee gone. I am no villain. Must I rob the law? Your sword is bright, lady. Put it up again. Not till I sheath it in a murderer's skin. Stand back, Lady Salisbury. Stand back, I say. By heaven, I think my sword's as sharp as yours. I would not have you, lady, forget yourself, nor tempt the danger of my true defense, lest I, by marking of your rage, forget your worth, your greatness, and nobility. Out, Dunghill! Darest thou, brave a nobleman? Not for my life, but yet I dare defend my innocent life against an emperor. Thou art a murderer. Do not prove me so, yet I am none. Whose tongue, soever speaks false, not truly speaks. Who speaks not truly, lies. Cut him to pieces! Keep the peace, I say! Stand by, or I shall gall you, Falconbridge. <laughs> thou wert better go the devil, Salisbury. If thou but frown on me, or stir thy foot, or teach thy hasty spleen to do me shame, I'll strike thee dead. Put up thy sword betime, or I'll so maul you, and your toasting iron, that you shall think the devil has come from hell. What wilt thou do, renowned Falconbridge? Second of villain and a murderer? Lord Bigot, I am none. Who killed this prince? Oh, tis not an hour since I left him well. 
I, I honored him. I, I loved him. And will weep my date of life out for sweet life's loss. Trust not those cunning waters of his eyes, for villainy is not without such room. And he, long trade in it, makes it seem like rivers of remorse and innocency. Away with me, all you whose souls abhor the uncleanly savors of a slaughterhouse, for I am stifled with this smell of sin. Away toward Burry to the dolphin there. There tell the king he may inquire us out. Here's a good world. Knew you of this fair work. Beyond the infinite and boundless reach of mercy, if thou didst this deed of death, art thou damned, Hubert. Do but hear me, sir. Ha! I'll tell thee what. Thou art damned as black... Nay, nothing is so black. Thou art more deep damned than Prince Lucifer. There is not yet so ugly a fiend of hell as thou shalt be, if thou didst kill this child. Upon my soul! If thou didst but consent to this most cruel act, do but despair. And if thou wast a cord, the smallest thread that ever spider twisted from her womb will serve to strangle thee. A rush will be a beam to hang thee on. Or wouldst thou drown thyself, put but a little water in a spoon, and it shall be as all the ocean, enough to stifle such a villain up. I do suspect thee very grievously. If I, in act, consent, or sin of thought, be guilty of the stealing that sweet breath which was embounded in this beauteous clay, let hell want pains enough to torture me. I left him well. Go, bear him in thine arms. I am amazed, methinks, and lose my way among the thorns and dangers of this world. How easy dost thou take all England up, from forth this morsel of dead royalty, the life, the right, and truth of all this realm is fled to heaven, and England now is left to tug and scramble and to part by the teeth the unowed interest of proud swelling state. Now for the bare-picked bone of majesty doth dogged war bristle his angry crest and snarleth in the gentle eyes of peace. Now powers from home and discontents at home meet in one line, and vast confusion waits, as doth a raven on a sick fallen beast, the imminent decay of rested pomp. How happy he whose cloak and cincture can hold out this tempest. Bear away that child and follow me with speed. I'll to the king. A thousand businesses are brief in hand, and heaven itself doth frown upon the land. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show, King John, Act 4, featuring the voice talents of Edward Herman as Hubert, Russell Gold as King John, Kristen Mass as Arthur, Laura Bramblett as the Countess of Salisbury, Kyle Garrett as Philip the Bastard, Natalia Orlovsky as the Countess of Pembroke, Pete Lutz as Lord Bigot, Dave Morgan as the Messenger, Hannah Jan Condell as the Executioner, 
and Alan Wayman as Peter of Pomfret. Written by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Landon Bell. Directed by George Linfield. Assistant Director Joel Rowan. Music by Doxent Zygmunt of soundcloud.com forward slash Doxent hyphen Zygmunt. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2018, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Thus have I yielded up into your hand the circle of my glory. Next time on The Pendant Shakespeare. Upon our sides it never shall be broken. And noble dolphin, albeit we swear a voluntary zeal, and an unurged faith to your proceedings, yet believe me, prince, I am not glad that such a sore of time should seek a plaster by contempted revolt, and heal the inveterate canker of one wound by making many. Lift up thy brow, renowned Salisbury, and with a great heart heave away the storm. Who's there? Speak, ho! Speak quickly or I shoot! A friend, what art thou? This fever that hath troubled me so long lies heavy on me. Oh, my heart is sick. Destiny Barrels Forward in King John, Act 5, presented by the Wild Bill Variety Show. I have a kind soul that would give you thanks, and knows not how to do it but with tears. Listen or catch up anytime on desktop or mobile at PendantAudio.com.